ahead and have a seat if you can. Get your Bible out. That's it. Get your Bible out. And if you want to get your Bible out and turn to Colossians, um, that's a book in the New Testament. We're going to start right there. Um, I just want to say to you that um, I can, can I speak on behalf of the Lord right now? Can I speak on his behalf? He loves what he just heard this morning. The reason I can speak for him is because the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And when you let go like you did today, it's so, such a blessing to my heart to hear you singing. I'm telling you, everybody ought to take a turn sitting on the front row. You guys agree? You guys are like newcomers to the front. This is so awesome to have you down here. But we get to hear just the, the, the sound of the praises of God's people just coming forward. And we know that that goes up to the Lord and he is pleased with what he hears. So way to go, you guys. Um, what a great day. Of course, we're talking about and we're singing about King Jesus and that he is alive and that he is alive and moving in our presence even now, today, right now, um, in this place. I just, I, I just got to release this to you. You want some good news, some other good news? Um, see, Jesus is still working in people's hearts. And he is still, even though things are getting darker and darker, it seems, in our world, he is still saving the souls of people, of man. And we had a handful of people um, saved online and in the building um, after the first service, and we just want to praise the Lord for that. On Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, I just, I loved it. I got, to, I got to meet with Robert right here in that seat right there and watch him write in his Bible, um, April the 9th, 2023, I was saved. And so fun to be able to have the him uh, come into Christ like that and come into a relationship with the Lord. That's what it's all about. But we're speaking about Jesus the King. This is what our focus is. And listen to what the scripture says about him. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unworld, unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Jesus Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning and the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. King Jesus is the focus of our attention today and the focus of the attention around the world. In fact, he says of himself, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Did you know that Jesus has written on his robe in heaven today and on his thigh the words, King of kings and Lord of lords? In fact, to borrow the words of an old preacher, the Bible tells us that King Jesus is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Have I already mentioned that to you this morning? 
All right, we want to drive that home today. Do you know who I'm talking about? That wasn't as strong as I had thought and I had hoped on a day like today. Listen, David says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Jesus is a sovereign king. It's said of him that he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful and he's impartially merciful. Praise God for that. Some have said that he's the greatest phenomenon that has ever walked this planet because he's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled, he's unprecedented, and he's the miracle of the age. Who am I talking about, church? Jesus, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Do you know him? Yes. Okay, you're getting better. You're warming up. <laughs> Coffee's kicking in. That's good because he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords and he is alive and well in our midst right now and he's working in our presence right this very second. He is here in our midst because we possess his Holy Spirit, those of us who know him. And so when you're singing to him, he's not just listening from heaven, he's listening right here in our presence. I was thinking about this as we themed the whole weekend, King Jesus, the humble king. I've been pondering, how should a king come? How, let me put it this way, how should the king of kings you know, there's only one king of kings. And how should the Lord of lords come and present himself to people like us? How would he come and, and present himself to a world who doesn't know him and know anything about him? And I thought about these concepts. Shouldn't the king of kings and the Lord of lords be born to a royal family instead of a poor teenager? Shouldn't a king like this be born in an extravagant palace instead of a borrowed animal shelter? Shouldn't he sleep in an elegant cradle instead of a feeding trough? Shouldn't he be visited by dignitaries rather than some simple shepherds out in the field? Shouldn't he grow up in his great capital city Instead of a small town that has a reputation that people go around saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Shouldn't a king like this carefully select his cabinet from a highly educated and accomplished leader rather than uneducated fishermen and rebels and social outsiders? Shouldn't he travel in an ornate chariot instead of walking from city to city on foot? Shouldn't he retire each night to an exquisite village on the seacoast rather than finding no place to lay his head? Shouldn't he host lavish dinner parties with the upper class, no expenses spared, instead of breaking bread with the outcasts of society? Shouldn't his royal entrance include a procession of glory on a war horse instead of a humble entrance on a donkey's colt? with a fickle crowd following him? Shouldn't a king like this be expected to be served rather than kneeling to wash the feet of his followers? Shouldn't he relax in 
opulent gardens instead of sweating drops of blood in an olive grove? Shouldn't he dress in luxurious linen robes instead of a ratty purple sash of mockery? Shouldn't the glimmering gold crown rest on his brow instead of a crude headdress of thorny branches that are thrust into his forehead? Shouldn't he die an honorable death instead of a convict's shameful execution? Shouldn't he be laid to rest in a hallowed royal burial ground instead of a bystander's borrowed tomb? In fact, Shouldn't the king of kings, the king of kings, and the lord of lords demand all of this and actually expect to get all that he demands? What's your answer? Yes. Yes. That's my answer. He's the... Okay, you're super excited about this, I can tell. (laughs) I'm going to try that one more time, just from a different angle here. (laughs) Shouldn't a king like this expect all these things and actually demand all these things? What's the answer? Yes, Yes, because he is the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords, and there's only one, and he is all-powerful. But not this king. Not this king of glory. Not my king. He's a different sort of king. And his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is a kingdom of humility or not at all. A kingdom where everything is flipped on its head and upside down. This king of kings and lord of lords, his kingdom is where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Where the greatest will serve the least. Where those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn and the meek are the ones who will be blessed. It's a kingdom where only those who hunger and thirst for righteousness And those who are merciful and peacemaking and pure in heart will be called the sons of God. It is a kingdom where those who are insulted and persecuted and maligned for the sake of their king will be greatly rewarded. It's a kingdom, my friends, that is totally counterintuitive to the thinking of normal humans. Where if someone strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other one and give it to them. Yeah. How you doing with that? It's a kingdom where if someone desires your shirt, you give him your jacket as well. It's a kingdom where if someone forces you to walk a mile with them, walk too. It's a kingdom where it's people love their enemies and pray for those who persecute them. And it's a kingdom where the inhabitants give generously to anyone in need. It's 
is the conviction coming yet to anyone but me? It's a kingdom of humility or not at all. Who is the king? Who is this king who governs this kind of kingdom? The scripture calls him the Lord, strong and mighty. We know him as Jesus. And yet in Isaiah 53, I'm gonna have you see it on the screen behind me. This is how he's described. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is being described here in Isaiah 53. Will you take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2? Philippians chapter two is another passage, and I I want you to see that it wasn't just that people treated him the way that they treated him. It wasn't just that people saw him the way that they saw him and described in Isaiah 53. I want you to see that the King of kings and the Lord of lords chose this path. It's actually his idea. Philippians 2, verse 6 describes Christ and what he did in his humility, where it says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What that means is something to be held on to. So here is Jesus, who is God himself, the second person of the Trinity. Praise the Father, praise the Son, that's Jesus, praise the Spirit, three in one. That's what we believe. God is is the Trinitarian God. God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is himself God. We read earlier that he is there in creation, and creation happened through him. And so here he is, God himself, but he was willing to humble himself and give up the rights that he had as God in order to meet a need down here on the earth. He did not hang on to his rights. He released his rights for other people. Thank you, Jesus. It's exactly right. Verse seven, he didn't hold on to his, his glory and his Godhead. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The God of glory, the Lord God Almighty, gave up what he had in order to take on flesh, and he humbled himself and became obedient even to death for you and for me. This kind of selfless humility is required of all in his kingdom, and it's required of all who want to be part of his kingdom. It's been said that humility is the currency of the kingdom of God. Hear me now. It takes humility to come to God, and it takes humility to serve God and to follow Christ. 
It's required of everyone. And Jesus led the way in humility, in giving of himself. He emptied himself of himself so that he might fulfill the needs of all mankind. This is what he did. This is the humility of Christ. He actually pours himself out in ways like this. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged and he rewards the diligent. He cleanses lepers. He discharges debtors. This is getting personal now. He delivers captives and he forgives sins. How awesome is that? This is what Jesus does, but how much of this is for himself? Come on, how much of this is for himself? Zero. He emptied himself of himself in order to meet the needs of all mankind, and he's continuing to do that today. But now it gets personal. I love you, right? You know that? You trust that? Because now we're going to talk about the example that he set for his followers. Because we, those who claim Jesus is our Savior, we're supposed to imitate him, Philippians 2 says. We are to have the same attitude towards others that he did. Look at Philippians again, but look at verse 3 this time. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let me just stop, okay? So um, just, just a test to see if you're awake. How much are we supposed to or allowed to do out of selfish ambition or vain conceit? Nothing. That's a big deal. Because what are we... Aren't we in love with ourselves? Come on. We are. How much do we do for ourselves? How much do we do out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? How much? A lot. But the example set before us and the command given to us is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But here it is. You ready? Here's the key. But in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, that's natural to us, but look out for the interests of others. So we as Christ's followers are supposed to follow his example and we are to now because he is not here in the earth anymore and we are his representatives here on this earth. We are to lead the way Worldwide, in humility, in giving of ourselves, which is emptying ourselves of ourselves so that we might fulfill the needs of all mankind. We are supposed to follow the example of Jesus and be pouring out ourselves to meet the needs of everyone around us, especially those in the lost world that need Jesus. That's what we are called to. That's the example that he has set before us. We are to pour ourselves out by supplying strength for the weak and the tempted and the tried, just like Jesus. We are to be sympathizing with those who are lost. 
not condemning those who are lost. We are to be sympathizing and sympathetic to the plight of those around us who are lost in their trespasses and sins, the scripture says. Too long has the church been critical of those who are lost. Strengthening, sustaining, guarding, and guiding those that are in the darkness, we are to be guiding them into the glorious light of the gospel. How are you doing on that? How am I doing on that? Are we purposeful and intentional in the fact that we're out there sharing the gospel, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in darkness, wandering around in the dark? They have no idea where they're going. They don't know that they're lost, and they are deeply in need of a Savior. Are we giving up ourselves and our pleasure and our comfort level in order to go out and share Jesus with them and bring them in? That's the humility of the kingdom. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. We're supposed to be defending the feeble, serving the unfortunate, blessing the young and honoring the aged, and bringing the message of hope and salvation to those who are held captive by sin. That's what Jesus did for us, and that's what Jesus saved us to do. The King of kings and the Lord of lords visited you. Do you remember that day of visitation? Do you remember the day that the Holy Spirit woke you up to truth and woke you up and you humbled yourself and you cried out to the Lord and you repented of your sin and you realized your need of a Savior? Do you remember that day? Well, I gotta tell you, my friends, he didn't save you so that you could just be happy in the Lord and come to church every weekend, sing songs of resurrection, clap your hands and dance and sing. And we do that because we love our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but that is not why he saved you. And that's not why he saved me. He saved us, and then he set us free, free to share the gospel with people and to serve everyone around us in this world that needs serving. That's what Jesus did for us, and that's what he's calling us to do for them. That's the responsibility of those who know Christ and are following him. Can I just take a moment now? And speak to those of you who might be in the building here or might be visiting us wherever you are online. And what I wanna, what I wanna say um, to this group is if you don't know the Lord Jesus, he's calling you out today too. He's calling you out to walk the same path of humility that I have just shared with those who follow Christ the path of humility that they're supposed to be walking. And let me just share this with you, that the Bible is clear. In Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you cannot humble yourself to admit that and confess that and repent, then you cannot have the salvation of the King of Kings. You've got to understand, that's the starting place. You have to understand that you are a sinner and because of your sin, you cannot reach the holiness of God that is required for you to enter into salvation and have eternal life. You fall short of God's glory, the scripture says, because of your sin. It's talking about you and me. Every single person on the planet is a sinner. And some people are like, eh, not really. I'm not sure I am. 
My heart was broken two weeks ago as I sat and shared with a man in his 70s. And I was sharing this concept about the fact that sin is keeping him from God. And he goes, yeah, about that. He said, I'm not sure I've ever sinned in my life. And I, felt, I thought he was joking. I'm like, yeah, right. And he goes, no, seriously. One time I stood before a priest and, and the priest asked me, do you have anything you would like to confess, my son? And he looked at the priest and he goes, no, don't think I've ever done anything wrong. And I tried to share with him. I tried, but let me, let me tell you something, okay? The Bible says the people who do not know the Lord are blinded, that Satan has blinded their eyes to the truth about their true condition. And what I want you to hear today, if it's maybe the first time you've ever heard it, who, who goes to church to want to hear this? You're a sinner. But everyone in the room knows that. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. What we earn because of our sin is separation from God, eternal separation from God and death. It's talking about spiritual death here. And it poses a very serious universal problem for everyone on the planet because we're all going to die a physical death. And if you don't fix this sin problem and you don't humble your heart before the Lord and receive his gift of salvation, then you're going to die a spiritual death also. Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take that to heart. Those of us who are still alive today, right now, that are hearing my voice right now, we all ought to be thinking about the fact that sin's gonna come and sin's gonna come knock on our door here. I'm sorry, death is gonna come and knock on our door here. You know, the fact that everyone has an appointment with death is not a surprise to you. If it is, you got other problems. We all know, we all know that death is coming but the question is not whether or not you know death is coming. The question is, what's next for you when death comes? That's the question. Some teachers did a, a study on their elementary school classes, and this is what they, they wanted, the child's perspective on death. So they asked children to write what they believed about death. So here's what they wrote. Gilda, age eight, said, when you die... They put you in a box and they bury you in the ground because you don't look so good. <laughs> Stephanie, age nine, said, doctors help you so that you won't die until you pay their bill. <laughs> I wonder where she got that, <laughs> sitting at the table with her family, you know. Marsha, age nine, says, when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is there too. <laughs> and Raven, age 10, said, a good doctor can help you so you don't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. <laughs> and you know, that's, that's all cute and everything, but seriously, listen to me carefully. It's a huge mistake for you to go through life with a child's perspective of death. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for something that he or she knows is inevitable. So I want you to ask yourself the question, every person here hearing my voice, are you ready for death? Actually, this is the most important question for every man, woman, and child right now 
because where you spend eternity is directly connected to how you answer that question. Listen, life is short and eternity is long. And James 4.14 in the Bible says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are here today and you are gone tomorrow. And you and I don't have any clue how many days we have left. And sure, you young guys and young gals down here, you know, and all through the room, you guys are thinking, I'm gonna live forever. Well, I hope so. But you have no idea. None of us know if you're gonna make it through the rest of this sermon. I don't even know if I'm gonna make it through my next sentence. That's how uncertain our future is. I want you to hear me carefully. You don't know if you have tomorrow, but I can, I can assure you, you can know where you're gonna be in eternity if you don't have tomorrow. And it's all connected to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are not just a body with a soul. You are an eternal soul with a temporal body. We're all going to exist somewhere. Our souls will exist in eternity somewhere. The Bible tells us your body will die and your bones are going to sit in a grave somewhere. But your immaterial part, your soul, will live on in eternity, the Bible says, in one of two places, either heaven or hell. In the Bible, eternal life is called heaven and eternal death is called hell. Heaven is a wonderful place where God is. Hell is a horrible place where Satan is and there is judgment there forever and ever and ever. Torment forever and ever. You trying to scare me, Phil? Absolutely yes. Nobody wants to go to hell and that's why there is salvation free today for anyone to accept. talking about humility here. I, let me just flip it because your pride and the pride in your heart, the pride of man is what will lead you dangerously to the edge of hell and your refusal and unwillingness to humbly repent of your sin will push you into the fire. A thousand years from now, you and I will be alert to who we are and we will know where we are and you will understand then what you can't possibly know today except by faith, that the most important thing you need to know is, are you in a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you humbly repented of your sin and received the resurrection power of God in your life? Hebrews 9, 27 in the Bible says, it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. You and I only get one chance at this. Nothing can change that. We're all going to die a physical death, but the Bible tells us that in Jesus, there is life through resurrection power. That's the story of Easter. This is why I'm preaching this to you today because this is what Easter is all about. The good news that you don't have to die in your sin. Jesus took care of that. He is alive and he is who he claimed to be. And he does what he promises he will do. And you can be forgiven of all of your past sins. And you can have power over your present circumstances in Jesus Christ. And you can be sure of your future. And you can have all of Jesus Christ. You can have his life. You can have his light. You can have his love. You can have his grace. You can have his forgiveness. And you can have it right now today. You don't have to wait for it. You can have it today. 
And I wanna ask you, those of you who don't know the Lord, I wanna ask you to respond to this today. I wanna ask you, are you willing to humble yourself? Because today, Easter Sunday, 2023, can be the day that changes your life forever, and I mean forever. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now is the time of favor. Today is the day of salvation. There's no other way to salvation except through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the only way to God the Father, the Bible says, is through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Can you all just bow your heads right now? And I just ask Christians, just start praying right now. Pray for those who need to accept Christ today. And I want to speak to all of those of you who might not know the Lord and just tell you how much I love you and how concerned I am for you and how excited I am that you're hearing this message today. I just want to say to you that you can do what many of us, hundreds of us in this room have already done, and that is humble your heart before the Lord. Admit that you're a sinner and repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life In fact, you can pray a simple prayer. I call it the humble prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that I prayed. And you can pray this prayer right now, right where you are. If you need the Lord, you can pray this, something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner and in need of salvation. I believe that you died on the cross so that I can be forgiven. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I can have eternal life. Please, Forgive me of my sins and save me. Please take me as your child. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you. I want you to be the king of my life forever. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, my friends, then you have salvation. If you prayed that prayer and you mean it, then you have the salvation of the Lord. Everyone look up here now. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to rejoice in your heart because you are now a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's something to rejoice in right there. Who is this king of glory? The Bible says that he is Jesus and he is the Lord God Almighty, strong and mighty and of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know, I wish we could spend the rest of the day so I could more accurately describe him for you, but Jesus is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. 
hey, Herod couldn't kill him, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, and Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and guess what? Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. And because of his humility and obedience to his Father on our behalf, the Bible says that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, everybody stand up and let's read this together. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Come on, church. Lift up your voice. excited about it too, don't you? Hey, praise the Lord. Can I just say this? Listen, if you did accept Christ today and you humbled your heart and you asked for his forgiveness, would you just let us know about it? You can come right up here after the service. You can get a hold of us online. Call the church office. We want to celebrate that with you and help you walk out your new life in Jesus Christ. We're so proud of you and so glad that you have done that, if that's you. But folks, we, uh, the rest of us, we have a lot of work to do. We got some heart work to do, don't we? And so let's go out there in the spirit of Easter, in the spirit of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, and do what doesn't come natural to us and serve everyone around us and bring as many people to Christ as we possibly can, okay? All right, now I gotta do some business with you, okay? So if you would be very patient and careful on the way out, we have a lot of people here. And so when you get to the, to the County Road 17 out here, the police are gonna be there and they're gonna ask you to turn right only. And I know some of you northern bound people are gonna be like, no! <laughs> Do nothing out of selfish ambition. <laughs> I know you gotta go around the block to get to 15, but that will help us not have a giant traffic jam with people getting out of here. Um, okay, deal? All right, deal. Hey, I love you with all my heart. Have a fa fabulous Easter with your family today. God bless you. Share some love on your way out. You're dismissed. <laughs>